0: going on everyone welcome into the pfn fantasy football podcast my name is kyle yates and i'm your host i can be found on twitter at kyle y nfl i am joined here today by the boys that is kyle sapi he can be found on twitter at kyle sapi pfn and derek tate he can be found on twitter at derek tate nfl gentlemen how are we
1: doing here on this fine wednesday morning doing okay doing okay we got football coming which is always a good thing but we woke up and had an argument with the wife today so i need I need advisement from you guys. I need opinions here, and we'll put it to the Twitterverse later. But I need you to hopefully to at least back me. At what time is brunch? If I'm telling you we're going out to brunch, what time are we arriving at said place? I would
0: assume that it's like at 10.30. 10.30 okay. is brunch. Derek, what time
2: have you got? Anytime. Just anywhere between 11 to 2. Uh, if you're telling me that mimosas, champagne, anything like that's involved Bloody Mary's, I'm not going to be real picky about what time brunch technically starts. As long as it starts and you give me a little bit of food and alcohol to go with it, I'm okay.
1: Okay, you've got the wrong answer. Kyle was 100% right here. <laughs> I'm of the belief that brunch means between breakfast and lunch. To me, yes. Like if you're eating at seven and noon on a normal day, brunch is somewhere in the middle. It's in that like 10 to 11 range. I'm 10, 10 to 10:30 if I get to choose. 10.30 30 to 11, I'll listen to. She's trying to take me, like, Derek, we're going into the afternoon. I'm like, we're beyond lunch now. Like, this isn't no is just brunch. We're this beyond is lunch. It's, yeah, it's exactly, you're talking a one meal day, which is a tough setup to begin with. But then you're going, like, how do I treat prior to this? Like, if I'm going out to brunch, I'm not eating breakfast before brunch. Like, that doesn't make sense. But if you're not having brunch until one in the afternoon, Derek time here, <laughs> then I, I'm going to need something. I'm going to need a meal before that. So, when she says, I want to go out to brunch on the weekend, I have no idea what is happening or how to prepare for such an event. It's so out of the ordinary. And yes, if it's 1030, I can do this. But if you're talking one o'clock for the first meal and calling it between breakfast and lunch, like we get we got to work on some definitions here.
0: Now, as you started that off and you were saying like you need to decide something between the wifey and I, that's uh, I I don't want to get thrown in between anything like that, but I feel like you needed that, <laughs> no, that yeah, opportunity to just get that off your chest, man. So I hope that that was helpful for you, that I it was beneficial, that. but I feel like we should talk about some football now. So how about we get into doing that? Gentlemen, let's talk about a keep trade cut here scenario. Let's talk about some of these wide receivers, these players that are on the rise or necessarily maybe not as much. Uh, Let's go keep trade cut here. We'll start here with Soppy. Are you keeping, trading, or cutting Garrett Wilson, Puka Nakua, Michael
1: Pittman Jr. for the remainder of the year? ooh we. I'm going to keep Michael Pittman. I think the skill is there. The upside is there. The upside at the quarterback position is there. Anthony Richardson, ideally, I mean, obviously we know he's banged up right now, but that doesn't seem like a long-lasting issue. So Michael Pittman's the one I want to keep. I think what he's doing volume-wise is kind of there. He's got a 30% target share, eight catches in both weeks. Some weeks are going to be good. Some weeks are going to be bad. We saw him as a top 10 and then outside the top 35. That's going to happen, but I'm with Michael Pittman as my keep. I'm going to trade Puka Nakua, not because what he's doing is completely going to fall flat or anything like that, but I can't imagine my man's ceiling getting any higher than it currently is. His trade value has got to be at peak value, not because he's going to fall off some kind of cliff or he's going to be two targets for nine yards kind of guy. He's not catching what? 250 passes this year or seeing (laughs) north of 300 targets like that isn't going to happen and I'll keep I'll so I'm I'm sorry I'm trading Puka so that means I'm cutting Garrett Wilson which puts me in a bad spot here but the talent is there the upside is not with Zach Wilson in this offense they don't want to run through the passing game nor should they they're going to win with defense potentially the running game but low possessions I don't think you're talking 17 minutes of possession or whatever it was that we saw last week but I'm not betting on that passing game. So I'm keeping Pittman trading Puka cutting Garrett Wilson. Derek, what do you got?
2: Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> so amazing. who leads the league in receptions right now?
1: It's gotta be Puka. He probably has more catches. than Anybody else has targets.
2: <laughs> 25 receptions for Mr. Puka Nakua who leads the league in targets. That, that, it's Puka. I, no so why? Why are we trading him? In an offense that I think is going to be pass heavy throughout most of the season. And I I do expect that defense while they've looked better than I've thought through the first two weeks, I still think that they're going to be in some higher scoring contests and Matthew Stafford, as long as he's healthy and under center, appears like he's going to be throwing the ball 30 to 35 to 40 times a game. It looks like this season and. It looks like Puka is going to be a consistent cog in this offense even once Cooper Cup comes back. So I'm keeping Puka. I'm keeping him. And I'll trade Michael Pittman because are we we sure that we're going to continue to see the target volume that we've seen from – Michael Pittman jr. Through the first two weeks of the season, it's definitely possible. And I like him. I mean, he's seen what 23 targets through the first two weeks of the season. That's pretty respectable in an offense that I expected to be far more run heavy, uh, through the first two weeks. And and Anthony Richardson has certainly, uh, had a very encouraging start to his NFL career. If anything, you guys were a little bit more bullish on him to start the year than I was. I was a little bit more cautious. And I would say that you guys probably are taking the W on this run right now, but, Garrett Wilson is definitely my cut option. Last week is a perfect idea of the peaks and valleys that you're going to see on a Mm. weekly basis. Last week he scored a 68-yard touchdown, you know, showcasing his dynamic ability as a pass catcher. But then he had seven more targets in that contest. He had one catch for I think 15 yards the rest of the game. So we're gonna and heading into this week he's going to be going up against bill Belichick and the new England Patriots defense that has actually done a decent job on the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami dolphins passing games to start the, start the season. I think Zach Wilson's going to be seeing ghosts, not only this week, but potentially moving forward. So unfortunately it's, it's keep Puka trade Pittman and cut Garrett Wilson. Ugh. So obviously I knew that
0: Puka Nakua was just seeing an absurd amount of targets, but I hadn't put it into context just yet So I did that as you guys were talking I went over Uh, Puka Nakua 35 targets on the year The next closest is Justin Jefferson with 25 There's a 10 target gap between the first and the second target leaders in the entire NFL Puka Nakua with 35 targets through two weeks. Absolutely insane You do have to wonder if when Cooper Cup comes back not if when Cooper Cup comes back How much does that tail off? Can you take advantage and sell hide? That's sort of the conversation. Hopefully this was a beneficial conversation for people as they look to value those three wide receivers. Let's get into some start sits. If you want to figure out some start sit options here for your fantasy lineup in week three, make sure that you're going over to the start sit optimizer here from PFN, absolutely free to utilize. You can enter in up to six players to find out who you should start here in your fantasy lineup. So if you're looking at players at the flex option, you want to decide between a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, That's access to our consensus rankings, our consensus projections here, an awesome tool for you to be able to sit down and be able to discern whether or not you should be starting these players in your fantasy football lineup. Additionally, if you did not get the answer that you wanted, you want some insight that you can't get there. You can go over to the PFN fantasy discord here. Absolutely free to join. The link for that is in your podcast and YouTube show description. Easy to join in there. Absolutely free. You get access to us. We're there on Sunday mornings helping you out with start-sit questions. Jason Katz is in there all freaking day long answering your guys's questions, so make sure to j- jump in there as well, the PFN Fantasy Discord. All right, start-sits. Let's start out here at the running back position. Soppy, I will throw it to you first. Who is a running back that you are looking to start in week three?
1: Yeah, I feel like we're beating a dead horse here with Isaiah Pacheco, but I'm going back to it. I'm going to keep starting this man until he gets into the end zone and I can victory lap around Kyle Yates. That's just how this is going to work. He was tackled inside the five-yard line in week one. He got all the way down to the one-yard line in week two, and then they kneeled it to end the game. They couldn't even get me a garbage time touchdown just to satisfy my fantasy needs. Bad on you, Chiefs, but I think that does change in week three against the Bears. He's getting the volume. This offense is going to see better days. They're not scoring 16, 17 points, whatever it was last week. They're going to be better than that. Heavy favorite this week run the ball, don't make Mahomes, throw to these receivers more than he needs to. Isaiah Pacheco running back 22 for me. I'm starting him as a running back two again in week three. All right, let's go Isaiah Pacheco here in week three or
0: Brian Robinson up against the Buffalo Bills.
1: I'm gonna go Robinson there, but it's they're both running back twos for me. Robinson on the higher end, Isaiah Pacheco on the lower end, but I love what I've seen from Robinson. He's splitting the passing game work with Antonio Gibson. We thought it'd be a carry split with Gibson getting all the work in the pass game, it's flipped. Robinson, the only commander running back you really need to be concerned about at this point. I'm encouraged by what I've seen. I'm going with him there. All right, let's
0: go Isaiah Pacheco or the player that people spent 100% of their fab on this uh, here today, Jerome Ford. Now the replacement for Nick Chubb in Cleveland up against the
1: Tennessee Titans. I think Ford was a good use of your fab budget, but I'm not playing him over Pacheco. We don't know exactly what the role is going to be. He was thrown into it last week. He, he looked great. This Tennessee run defense is no joke. The offense still sputtering a little bit. I'm going Pacheco there just based on valuable opportunities. I think he holds the edge in week three. Those guys are
0: back to back in my week three rankings. Currently, Isaiah Pacheco obviously gets the much better matchup. Tennessee Titans run defense, a much better matchup. I think Ford will see more volume, but the -hmm. the matchup there puts those guys back to back in my rankings. Derek, let's throw it over to you. Your number one running back start on the week.
2: So, I'm going to go ahead and continue to beat the Los Angeles Rams drum and say Kyron Williams uh, up against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are 0-2 to start the season. I expect that Cincinnati is going to be coming out in desperation mode. The offense finally showed, flickered some signs of life with T. Higgins scoring two touchdowns. And, you know, I I expect them to be successful against the Rams. So, I think that the Rams are going to still be playing from behind. What was really, really, really encouraging about Kyron Williams, though, who is the number two scoring running back in PPR formats right now. That's crazy. Um, Ten targets in week number two. So that pass-catching volume is probably going to see somewhere around three to four receptions on a weekly basis. Then he's also seen at least 14 carries in each of the first two weeks. Cam Akers looks like he is on his way out for a second consecutive season there with the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, give me Kyron Williams and – a game that whether it's going to be you know behind in game script, I think either way, Kyron Williams is going to be heavily involved and uh, in a start worthy option. He, he actually leads the league in touchdowns from scrimmage right now with four through the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, no, I, and the matchup too up against Cincinnati. In historically, that's been a matchup that we've been hesitant to really play our running backs against. Right, the Cincinnati Bengals defense is a pretty stout unit. However, <laughs> you look at they've given up, and it's a very small sample size. They are 31st in the NFL right now in terms of opponent rushing yards. They've allowed on average 192 rushing yards per game. Now that is not going to sustain. We're not calling that Kyron Williams is going to get 192 rushing yards here in week three. Maybe he could, but I do think that this is a matchup that you want to take advantage of. So it's one of those ones on paper you look at and you're like, oh, that's a tougher matchup. Do I really want to play Kyron Williams? No, this is a matchup that you can get him into your starting lineup. I'm done putting Kyron Williams on my bench. I did that this past week. Uh, I'm done with that. I'm getting him into my starting lineups. I completely agree there, Derek. Uh, Sophie, let's throw it over to you. Your number two running back start of the week.
1: For me, it's Josh Kelly. I get that he burned a lot of people last week, and it looks like Austin Eckler is going to sit again this week. He gets Minnesota. This game's got a total approaching 55 points. I want to start anybody and everybody that I can. We'll get to another option in this game later. But he had 72% of the running back carries last week. To me, this is a trust the process play. You're trusting a featured back in a team that could score upwards of 30 points. And I'm not really caring how he gets there. I don't think he's going to get there quite like Austin Eckler with the 8 to 10 targets and things like that. But if he's getting 72% of the carries in an offense that we trust, Justin Herbert's going to continue to produce and put this team in scoring position. The value of those carries is just too high to put Kelly on your bench after he burned you last week. Top 25 guy for me this week. Brandon Staley coming out uh, just
0: yesterday saying that Austin Eckler is without a timeline for his return. So this is a situation we might have Joshua Kelly now for more than just a one week rental, right? He might legitimately be the starting running back here for the Los Angeles Chargers for the next couple weeks. This is a situation to monitor closely as we move throughout the week. If Eckler is out for week three, Kyle Soppy saying to definitely get him into your starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Derek, let's throw it back over to you. Number two running back start
2: of the week. Kenneth Walker versus the Carolina Panthers. And I was encouraged to see that he scored two rushing touchdowns against the the Detroit Lions. It was a high-scoring game. I'm not thinking that the Carolina-Seattle game is going to be that high-scoring where there's, what, 68 points. No, because the Carolina Panthers are struggling to generate points and even scoring drives through the first two weeks of the season. And I don't think that that task is going to get much easier for Bryce Young in the home of the 12th man up there in seattle so i could see game script heavily favoring Kenneth Walker getting a lot of work in this contest and I do think he finds the end zone yet again against a Carolina defense that allowed two rushing touchdowns to Tony Jones Jr. in week number two. And Kenneth Walker there definitely
0: someone that the the overall production now obviously inflated with the two touchdowns like you mentioned but just 17 rush attempts last week for 43 rushing yards that could be something where fantasy managers are a little bit concerned. I do like you pointing his name out here as someone that you should get into your starting lineups just simply based on this matchup. Let's go over to running back sits of the week a play Player that players that we are a little bit concerned about. We're not completely benching these players, but we do have a little bit of concern or we are fading them going into
1: week three. Sapi, I will start here with you. I'm sorry, man, but it's Damian Pierce. I mean, he's got to show me something before I feel at all comfortable putting him into a starting lineup. We've got an influx of these backup running backs that are taking over new roles from the Jerome Fords, the guys like that. And I'm playing them over Pierce. Pierce, my running back 27 this week against the Jags. I mean, he has 30 touches this season. And his next one gaining more than 10 yards will be his first. He shows us nothing right now. Houston going to a pass first offense. And he really hasn't been a part of that to the degree that's going to stabilize his value. He had a good rookie year. Still under four yards per carry when he played the Jags. Having a not so good sophomore year. I'd be surprised if he gets to four yards a carry. And without that efficiency or volume, to me, he's not a top 25 guy and not a guy that you have to play this year, no matter what you spent on him this summer.
0: Listen, we all love Damian Pierce coming into the year because really? of the, <laughs> I just wondering if you're going to catch that uh, because of the offensive line. That was one of the big selling points was this offensive line was arguably a top 10 unit, potentially even top five based on the names that were on it and how uh, the, the upside that it presented. However, this offensive line has been banged up this year. So that is something that is playing a part And Damien Pierce not meeting expectations here. Damien Pierce at RB27 on the week for me as well. Soppy, would you play Damien Pierce or would you play Javante Williams up
1: against Miami? Javante Williams. And it's not close. I think Javante Williams distancing himself from Perrine with a 12-1 to carry count last week. To me, that screams that we're betting on this talent and that he's healthy. A healthy Javante Williams is a fantasy goldmine. I'm going that direction every time. All right. Would you go Damien Pierce or James Connor up against the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, I don't think Connor's going to be any better. He's in the same spot. He's running back 29 for me. Volume matters until it doesn't. These guys, the quality of carry and quality of touch in these two matchups this week, if you can get out from them, I would. I get, get it if you're stuck with the 15 to 20 touches. They're both going to be good for 60 yards and like nine fantasy points. Like Take that for what it's worth. To me, I think I can do better. All right, Derek, let's send it over to you.
2: Your number one running back sit on the week. Talking about my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm going to go ahead and sit Rashad White. Look, fantastic week number two, and I say fantastic, that's probably a little bit uh, of an over-exaggeration, but he was effective. He saw 17 carries again in week number two. This time was far more efficient with 73 yards rushing, but Yates, I know you know that this front seven for the Chicago Bears against opposing rushing attacks is still a work in progress. And while I do think that the Buccaneers have some encouraging signs with the new play caller and Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator. I don't think it's really going to matter what that offensive line for the Buccaneers against the Philadelphia Eagles this week who have allowed just an average of 52 rushing yards per game through the first two weeks. I think it goes back to. High volume, but low, low, low efficiency for Rashad White on the ground in week number three. He is somebody that I'm fading out of my lineup. All right, so then let's. we're in that same range that we
0: talked about with Damien Pierce. Would you go Rashad White or Damien Pierce in week three?
2: I would probably go with Rashad White just because there is a little bit more of a pass-catching floor that I feel a little bit more confident in. Uh, for week number three
0: would you go uh, Rashad White or Alexander Madison up against the
2: Los Angeles Chargers I think it's finally a better week for Alexander Madison so not by much because he hasn't given us very much so far this season but I'll go with Alexander Madison all right let's send it back over to you your number two running back to sit this week
1: For me, it's Matt Breida. Like, I get that it's not a sexy name and that you're probably not 100% starting him, but we've seen with Puka, we've seen with Gus Edwards, these hot waiver wire ads, people making the move and starting them and throwing them right in the lineup and being rewarded handsomely. Puka hasn't failed yet. Gus had a touchdown last week. Justice Hill's been just fine. I'm not making that mistake on Thursday night with Matt Breida. He's playing against the 49ers. Breida's got four touchdowns in his last 41 games, so I don't think you're getting bailed out there. He didn't have a 20-yard touch all of last season. To me, there's not as much of an explosion situation we see it in los angeles where we're plugging in joshua kelly for austin eckler and making it a fantasy starter a fantasy viable situation to me that's not the case in new york this offense isn't going to run the same without saquon barkley as it does with him so matt breed my running back 34 nowhere near lineups for me Matt Breida at RB33
0: on the week for me, not a guy that you need to get into your starting lineups. I'm glad that we talked about him here. Let's go, Derek, you're number two running back to sit in week three.
2: While it was an encouraging 2023 debut for Zach Moss, I am going to steer clear of him in week number three, given... Again, I'm going with the matchups, right? And this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens defense right now, they are sixth against opposing rushing attacks, allowing just 69 yards per game on the ground. And we don't know the quarterback situation. I know that Anthony Richardson is in concussion protocol, so it could be him or Gardner Minshew. Either way, I think it's going to be a rough day at the office, office against a very stout Baltimore Ravens defense. So I'm fading Zach Moss for this week. Uh, a tough matchup.
0: Would you go Zach Moss or Gus Edwards this week up against the Indianapolis Colts? Gus Edwards. Would you go Zach Moss or who haven't we talked about already? Uh, Khalil Herbert up against the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: I think it's Roshan Johnson week, baby. So oh, give me dear. Zach Moss, but
0: not by much. All right, guys. The NFL season keeps rolling, which means that we get to talk about some really cool, exciting, new exclusive offers. Underdog Fantasy is now offering new customers that sign up with the promo code PFN, or you can click the link in your description here, a deposit match up to $100 like they always do, plus a mystery Pick 'Em special in the Pick 'Em lobby to use right from the start. All you have to do is click the link in your podcast or show description, sign up, make your first deposit for access, and you will find the special player you got right there in the Pick'em lobby. And you're going to want to take advantage of that. So sign up now with the code PFN and take advantage of this ridiculously awesome offer today. Let's move into wide receiver
1: starts of the week for week three. Soppy, I will send it over to you first, my friend. For me, give me your boy, Elijah Moore, going against the pass funnel that is the Tennessee Titans. He's in my, inside my top 40 this week. Seven plus targets in both games this season. And let's, let's not beat around the bush here. Targets are gold against these Titans. You can't necessarily run the ball. No Nick Chubb. I think they take it to the air. Maybe a get-right game for Deshaun Watson. And that's going to pay off for Elijah Moore. Amari Cooper ended up playing on Monday night, but a little banged up battling that groin injury. Moore, the clear secondary option. DPJ, as much as I like him, was a non-factor on Monday night. David Njoku is what he is. Moore is going to be the option here to go to to exploit this defense. He's been handed the ball in both games. They're looking for excuses, looking for ways to get him the rock. To me, that puts him on the fringe of flex option uh, and he's higher ranked this week than he is normally for me.
0: Nine targets in week two, only three receptions, 36 yards there. However... It is worth pointing out that Elijah Moore made two incredible catches on the sideline that were just barely out of bounds so that just you messed. you yeah. add in those two catches. And now we're talking about a really, really solid performance there from Elijah Moore, a five for a 60 performance on nine targets, something like that. We're a li- having a little bit more confidence here this week, just missing. I do like pointing him out here because of this matchup. Let's go Elijah Moore or Jordan Addison in this uh, high scoring game up against the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Addison worries me a little bit, man. It's, I get it, and he's, he's going to be an option, but he's not out earning KJ Osborne yet. And then you've got TJ Hawkinson. You have Justin Jefferson eating targets. And I think Alexander Madison has a good week. So I think it's probably a little hot takey, but I'm going to go Elijah Moore in a close one. They're both in the flex conversation. I wouldn't blame you for starting either. Addison relying on those long touchdowns right now. If that rubber band's back, could be in some trouble. Give me more just over Addison.
0: All right, let's go one more here. Elijah Moore or Drake London up against the Detroit
1: Lions? You're not fooling me. I'm not going with this Falcons passing game yet. I get that he scored last week. I get that it looked a little bit better and that Ritter completed more passes than he threw in week one. They still don't want to throw the ball. They still don't want to do it that way. I'm going more in an offense that I think is going to be in scoring position and a higher volume pass attack than that of London. So give me more in that spot too. All right, Derek, let's send it over to you. Your number one wide receiver
2: start of the week. So I want to bring up the fact that I just want to say you need to put Puka Nakua in your lineup. I have him at number eight in my rankings for this week. So I'd love for somebody to make an argument against me right now. Please. I welcome it. Um, But I'm actually going to focus on the other Los Angeles Rams pass catcher, and that's Tutu Atwell. Um, what we've seen from Puka has been obviously out of this world, but there's been consistent work for Tutu Atwell through the first two weeks of the NFL season as well. And last week he did it against the 49ers, seven catches for 77 yards. And then week one, six catches for 119. So he is clearly still the number two behind Puka as far as, you know, targets, the wide receiver position. And I think that there's going to be some positive, uh, touchdown regression that's in session against the Cincinnati Bengals and what could be a higher scoring game I mean Stafford has been throwing the ball all over the yard they just haven't been able to really find the end zone through the air I think that that you know cures itself this week against the Cincinnati Bengals do I am I predicting a touchdown for Tutu Atwell no it could come from either him or or Puka Nakua or Tyler Higbee or Kyron Williams whoever but either way I feel very confident Putting 2 2 Atwell inside my top 35 at the wide receiver position this week.
0: All right, let's go 2 2 Atwell here or Cortland Sutton up against the Miami Dolphins. Give me 2 2. All right, would you go 2 2 or Gabe Davis up against the Washington Commanders?
2: Mm, nice week for Gabe Davis in week number two.
0: Mm, yeah,
2: I'm, not, I'm not going to bet that Davis is going to do it two weeks in a row. Give me, give me 2 2. All
0: right, Soppy. let's send it back over to you. Number
1: two wide receiver start of the week. Yeah, I mean, you guys are just, I'd say you guys, not you two. The fantasy public, the betting public, everybody is slow on the come up here. Rashid Shaheed's a real thing in New Orleans. Two big weeks in a row, two 40-plus yard catches. Derek Carr throws a pretty deep ball. I don't care what anybody wants to say about him being a game manager or check down artist, all that good stuff. He doesn't throw deep a ton, but it is gorgeous when he does. And when you're thrown to a guy with four-three speed like Shaheed, give me that. Especially against the Packers. Packers defense struggled downfield last season. We saw it on the DFS pod. We're like, hey, maybe Darnell Mooney could be a thing in week one. He was. He scored against the Falcons in week two, a team that doesn't even want to pass. Three different guys had a 24-yard catch or more. To me, this is screaming Shahid week again. And he's been productive in each of the first two weeks. I think that carries over for a third straight week. Third straight week. Rashid Shahid, my wide receiver, 35. And a guy I think you can flex in this spot all right let's send it over to you derek your
2: number two wide receiver start of the week yeah i'm going to go ahead and pivot from what i originally put on the show doc and it's because i'm much higher now on this houston texans passing offense and i was heading into the season 91 passing attempts for cj stroud through the first two weeks that's way more than any of us expected and the main beneficiary of that has been Nicola Nico Collins. So he's kind of flirting now with top 25 consideration on a weekly basis, yet ECR seems to have him still outside of the top 30 top 35. So I'm actually higher on Nico Collins because two weeks in a row, <clears throat> excuse me, we have seen plenty of target volume and he's been productive with those opportunities. So if this team can't run the football, which they don't look like they can run the football in 2023 so far, they're going to con- they've proven that they are willing nope. to put the ball in CJ Shroud's hands and try to go win the game through the air and that seems to be benefiting nico collins and i see that being the case against the jacksonville jaguars in week three a wide
0: receiver four overall finish for nico collins in week two up against the indianapolis Colts: seven receptions 146 yards and a touchdown yeah Yeah, i think we got to get this guy into our starting lineups here at this point uh let's move over to wide receiver sits of the week sapi who is a player that you have a little bit of concern about going into week three
1: I'm going the other side of this New Orleans offense. If I'm going to play Shaheed and talk up his val- his val- valuable, my goodness, case of the Mondays on a Wednesday, his valuable deep field target share here, then I got to go the other way and say Michael Thomas isn't as sharp of a play in a spot against the Packers defense that can limit the short passing game. I have Shaheed over Thomas this week. I get that the 17 targets for Thomas through two weeks is a value, is a very good thing. Like, listen, we chase volume all the time. That's no secret. But he's turned those 17 points, or 17 targets into under 18 fantasy points. He's not doing much with them. He's moving the chains a little bit. But there's not much scoring, not much big play upside. I want the big play guys against this Packers team. So give me Shahid over Thomas for the hot take of week three. All right, Derek, your number one wide receiver sit of the week. Where
0: are
2: we going? Hey, Mr. Wilson. We were just talking about him on Keep Trade Cut. And he's getting cut out of my lineup this week. And that's Garrett Wilson. Again, phenomenal talent. We love his ability dynamic after the catch, great route runner, et cetera, et cetera. It's just unfortunate that he's got Zach Wilson throwing him the football and against a New England defense that I thought did a pretty admirable job kind of bottling up Tyree kill and Jalen waddle waddle had a nice day concussion protocol and everything. But then in week number one, they faced off against AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and did a decent job on them. So. I mean, and we, we're talking about two quarterbacks that I think are in the t- like top 10 consideration and Jalen Hurts and Tua tunga We're talking about arguably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL going, go, going up against Bill Belichick. So I'm staying away from Garrett Wilson in week three.
0: Let's find out where that line is for Garrett Wilson. Would you start Garrett Wilson or would you start Jerry Judy up against the Miami Dolphins?
2: I really, really, really want to see more than Jer- more from Jerry Judy, but it's encouraging that he, we didn't see him suffer any sort of setback coming back from his hamstring injury. So, And I think that that, has, that game has sneaky potential to be a, a shootout, so I'm going to go with Jerry Judy.
0: All right, let's go a little bit further down the board. Garrett Wilson or DeAndre Hopkins up against the Cleveland
2: Browns? Oh, I'm not very high on DeAndre Hopkins as it is anyway, but... Hopefully, he's a little bit better, uh, a little bit healthier heading into week three than he was in week two. I just see more upside um, at the quarterback position and a heavy target volume if if D-Hop's healthy. So, give me D-Hop. I think he has a slightly higher floor with slightly better quarterback play, in quotations. Uh, Sampi, let's send it over to you. Number two, wide receiver to sit in week three.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the higher target share for Nuke. I'm just not sure those targets are worth anything. We see it all the time with some of these high-profile, big-name guys. Garrett Wilson's going to be one of them too. Where the target count is great, like that's fun and everything, and we can. But you don't get fantasy points for targets. Quality of target matters, and DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have that right now. He's my wide receiver 37. He's got 18 targets. How many fantasy points do you think he's turned those 18 targets into? Uh, I'm going to go with 16. 16 is 100% right. That's less than a point per target. I don't care how many targets you're seeing. That's not getting it done in an offense that doesn't even want to throw the ball that much. His long catch this season, 16 yards. He's not being used down the field. So no one target is going to take over for him. Cleveland, a fine defense. They generate some pressure. This is an ugly game. It's going to see a lot of running the ball. If, If Cleveland can open it up and get Elijah Moore involved, maybe that opens things up and forces Tennessee to throw. And when they throw, they throw to Hopkins. I'm not denying that. I just don't see the value of Targets worthwhile. I'm going to sit it until I see it from DeAndre Hopkins outside my top 35 and I'm not playing him. All right, DeAndre Hopkins or Tutu Atwell in week 3. No. I'm not <laughs> in I mean I'm, I'm just not as in on Tutu as the like I'm going to go Hopkins there, but that's not even a Hopkins thing. That's a Tutu thing. He's he's small and an offense I don't trust quite as much as Derek and everybody else does. So I'm going to go with the number 1 option in Tennessee over the number 2 option in LA like I Hopkins but neither
0: would you go DeAndre Hopkins or Sky Moore up against the Chicago
1: Bears uh, I have Hopkins ranked higher again th- the target advantage for him over a guy like Moore to me makes him the call there just because you're talking something that could be like a 13 to 5 t- like the targets aren't very valuable but they still hold some value if it's a point per target I'm going to take those chances on double digit targets over a guy in Sky Moore that I'm not sure he's going to get more than five I gave you two names and you chose DeAndre Hopkins as a know, start there. I so know. it sounds Give like you're starting. It
0: sounds like you're, it sounds like you're starting DeAndre Hopkins. Is Shahid, really what I'm taking away
1: <laughs> over Hopkins. Those guys, Derek, because. Derek, let's send
0: it to
2: you. Your number two wide receiver to sit. This one may not be as popular, but I'm going to sit Mike Evans in week number three. And the reason being, I see this Eagles pass rushing unit giving Baker Mayfield fits in week number 3. And we haven't we didn't see really an elite pass rushing group for the Minnesota Vikings or the Chicago Bears, the Buccaneers' first two opponents and is a completely different story in week number 3 against the Eagles. I think that they're going to heat up Baker Mayfield and not to mention if James Bradbury, I know that he missed week 2. I don't know what his status is for week number 3, but they still have Darius Slay at the cornerback position to potentially shadow Mike Evans. And if that's the case, It's a tough matchup against quality cornerbacks along with some protection issues, which means I see fewer shots down the football field for Baker and company in week number three. So Mike Evans is unfortunately, who's off to a great start, somebody that I'm fading out of my lineups in week three. All right, let's put that to
0: the test. Mike Evans here up against the Philadelphia Eagles or DJ Moore up against the Kansas City
2: Chiefs? DJ Moore.
0: Would you go Mike Evans or Michael Pittman Jr. with Up against Baltimore with the questions of quarterback, Anthony Richardson, Gardner, Minshew.
2: I'll still go Michael Pittman. I still think he's going to see plenty of volume. I just don't trust his efficiency, but the volume still should be there. All right, let's move into some quarterback starts of the week, some players that we are looking to get
0: into our starting lineups. If we are in need of a streaming option here for week three, Soppy, I will start
1: here with you. Yeah, I mean, check the schedule. Says Jared Goff's playing at home. You play Jared Goff. Like it's a pretty straightforward formula there. I'll dive into spreadsheets and go deep into the numbers all you want. But Jared Goff at home is just a different animal. They're averaging almost 33 points per game in Detroit since the beginning of last season. We saw last week. I, we all said playing last week against Seattle, 323 yards, not one, not two, but three scores. And that was with a banged up Amon Ross, St. Brown at different times. David Montgomery out of the mix. It would appear that puts more scoring equity on Jameer Gibbs and on this passing game. Give me Jared Goff as a top 12 quarterback in week three. And I feel good about it. Even against an Atlanta team that manages the clock and burns possessions.
0: Would you go Jared Goff or Joe Burrow up against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night football?
1: Yeah, I guess I'm holding out hope on Burrow more than most. I want to see where this health thing goes with him. He's still one spot ahead of him. So I'm going Burrow if active. And if we don't get a Schefter bomb that says, Oh yeah, Joe Burrow amputated his leg right now. He's going to be (laughs) out for one to two weeks. So Barring that, I'm going Burrow and trusting the process, but I think the argument could certainly be made if you're skittish.
0: I'm trying to put together the uh, the logic of how he amputated his leg and how he's only out one to two weeks. Uh, Jared he's Goff tough, or <laughs> Jared Goff or Justin Fields in week three up against the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I See, now I like a guy and
1: you're getting me to pick against him. You're tricky hosting here, Mr. Yates. <laughs> I'm going Fields barely though. The floor is just higher. Jared Goff's I, I'm not naive enough. Like, I've watched enough football to know the floor could come out from Jared Goff in a moment's notice. Not to say Justin Fields isn't capable of that, but the floor is just so high. He's got at least five and a half points with his legs in 11 of his last 12 games. I think that kind of value holds weight in a game that they're huge underdogs and going to be playing from behind. It's not going to be pretty. Like, if they're not sending game film of Justin Fields against the Chiefs to the Hall of Fame anytime soon. But for fantasy box scores, I think he outscores Goff.
0: I think that we see a different version of the Bears offense here in week three because Luke Gutsy is on the hot seat coming into this game. Like he needs to fix things and he needs to fix things quickly and get Justin Fields more than five rush attempts than what he had last week. Get him comfortable and open up this offense because it was not pretty in week two. Let's move on here. Derek, your quarterback start of the week. Where are we going?
2: Yeah, it's am I allowed to use the same Dennis the Menace reference for another guy with the last name Wilson. That's what that reference was. I could not figure out what
0: that was. I was right like, where do head. I know that from? Okay. Thank you. Yes. Go for it.
1: <laughs> hey, Mr. Wilson. Yep. I got it. Going? I got
2: it. <laughs> so Russell Wilson against Miami dolphins already mentioned that the dolphins ha- offense. I think is going to have a bounce back week. And if that's the case, We've seen in consecutive weeks, the Denver Broncos passing offense look very good in the first half and then kind of sputter out in the second half. I know the yardage and touchdown total was fluffed up a little bit for Russell Wilson with that hail Mary to Brandon Johnson from 50 yards (laughs) out, but, but. It's still been night and day as far as what we've seen from this Denver Broncos offense in 2023 as opposed to 2022. 33 points was higher than any uh, score total that they had in 2022. Sean Payton is having an impact on this offense. It looks like they're getting healthier with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Then we saw Marvin Mims with an expanded role. Brandon Johnson has looked good. I'm just a little bit more encouraged uh, and kind of starting to see the light of a guy that I originally had as kind of a sleeper option at the quarterback position. I see it this week for Russell Wilson against the Miami Dolphins. Um, it being a little bit higher scoring contest than most people think.
0: All right. So let's say someone has Daniel Jones on their roster. They started him last week because of the Arizona Cardinals matchup. Now they were panicking in that first half. It started to turn around uh, and obviously finished with a solid performance there at the end of week two. If they have Daniel Jones, would you drop Daniel Jones to go pick up Russell Wilson on the waiver wire? I would. Absolutely. Obviously, Daniel Jones going up against the San Francisco 49ers defense on Thursday night football. Yes, uh, probably no Saquon Barkley as well. I would do that as well. Let's move into quarterback sits of the week. Soppy, where are we going here?
1: I've been pretty consistent in this, and one decent week's not going to sway me, nor is a good matchup. I'm sitting Dak Prescott. I get that coming off of an impressive performance is encouraging. Like, he looked good, don't get me wrong, against the Jets defense that we think is good. So what's not to like? He was 31 for 38. They held the ball for 42 minutes. That's not going to happen again. So you're not looking at this kind of volume. And how did they start the game? What was the story they were telling coming out of the locker room? Here's the first four plays from scrimmage. Pollard run, Pollard run, Pollard target, doubt run. To me, that doesn't scream at an offense that wants to put the ball in their hands of Dak Prescott more than they have to. He did everything right last week and wasn't a top 12 quarterback. I don't think he gets there this week. I think it's a lot of Pollard, a lot of ball control, a lot of ugliness from like it, it you just need prescott to be uber efficient and you need cd lamb to be a god not that he can't i'm just not betting on it he's my quarterback 14 this week even against the cardinals go ahead derek oh
2: no i'm just the night and day difference between the new york jets defense and the arizona cardinals i think oh, don't is wrong. like a, a grand canyon size chasm so I, I just i'm kind of curious even though, yeah, do we see it being a shootout or a high-scoring contest? For that reason, I understand maybe fading Dak Prescott a little bit, but I still think that he's going to be productive uh, against the Arizona Cardinals because we saw Daniel Jones productive against the Arizona Cardinals. So that's my only argument. I'm just a little a little surprised to see Dak being faded.
1: It sounds like you're a cowboy hater, and I know you're not. But it just How much better does it like get? A- how much does how much better can it be than last week? He was quarterback 17, and it seemed like everything went right and he threw, he had 31 completions. If you give him 31 completions, sure. I don't think he hits that number again. And the fact that he could hit that number and still not be viable. Like the rushing isn't there. The touchdown equity is limited outside of throwing the ball to Pollard or Lamb. I don't trust the secondary options. To me, there's just not enough upside in this offense, in a week that I like the quarterbacks. Like, I've, I like Jared Goff, and I've got him at quarterback 11. Like, there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there. Dak, falling down my ranks. You're splitting hairs to some degree, but not my guy this week.
0: In, for the Cowboys, we've seen two different game scripts play out, right? We've seen week one was just obviously the 40 to nothing victory. That was Dak finishing with six fantasy points, right? The quarterback 29 on the week because he simply was not needed. And then you had the New York Jets last week where it needed a little bit more. And that was 38 overall pass attempts, 31 completions, two touchdowns, finishes a QB 17. Which game script is more likely to be the case here this week up against the Arizona Cardinals? I think it would be more of week one. And so Foreman, even yeah. like. You have to, for Dak to be potentially a top 12, top 10 consideration, you've got to find a matchup where they're going to be playing from behind and they're going to have to throw the ball based on how good this Dallas team is right now. I just don't see that happening. So I, I side more with Soppy here. I get the logic and I get the reasoning of what's the potential game script here for Dak Prescott. He's got to throw two touchdowns early on in the game before this game gets out of hand, before the game script gets out of hand for you to feel confident starting him. I think there's other better options. So Soppy, Dak Prescott, or Russell Wilson in week
1: three. You can fight better on the waiver wire. Like to me, you don't have to be going down this low at the position. If, if you're stuck, sure. I will go Dak at a game that I think they win. You know, they're going to be in scoring position. I'll go Dak there, but no. I don't think either is the top 12 guy this week. Would you go Dak Prescott
0: or Mac Jones up against the New York Jets? I hate Mac Jones.
1: I hate the Patriots. You keep giving me these questions where I hate on a guy, and then you like, oh yeah, we'll put him a Kyle's quarterback twenty-seven. That was Mac I'm gonna,
0: that was completely vindictive on my part. I, well, I've got Mac Jones was. at quarterback twenty-four on the week, so I just wanted to make you pick Dak Prescott as there as an option for starting. The worst.
2: Uh, <laughs> Derek, your quarterback sit on the week. Daniel Jones. So I understand there is rushing upside with Daniel Jones. I don't always get it, but it's there, so I have to acknowledge it. The problem is this this offense really struggled against the Arizona Cardinals and the floodgates opened in the second half. Sure, they generated 31 points, but that was with Saquon Barkley in the backfield. Matt Breida or her, anybody else that they bring up or if they give Eric Gray an expanded role, I don't see them getting much production on the ground against the San Francisco 49ers defense. Uh, Not to mention the Niners defense gave up a lot of yards to the Los Angeles Rams last week. I don't see that being the case against the New York Giants through the air. I just don't see a whole lot of upside without the feature player in the backfield for the New York Giants. It's going to force Daniel Jones to throw the ball a lot. I think that we finally get ourselves a Nick Bosa sighting because he's been quiet through the first two weeks of the NFL season. I think that this 49ers defense makes life pretty miserable on Thursday night for Daniel Jones company. If you're starting Daniel Jones,
0: it's the same thing that we saw with Kirk cousins last week. It's like the, the passing volume just has to be astronomical and you've got to get that garbage time production. I'm just not willing to really lean on that. Uh, let's go tight end starts of the week. Soppy. I'll send it over to you. Who is a tight end that you're looking to get into your
1: starting lineup? If you've got him? I've been wrong on this call before, and I'm going to be wrong on it again. I'm going to go down with the ship. Gerald Everett, the top 12 guy for me this week. I'm just betting on the offense. We saw it with Josh Kelly. My logic is the same. This game's going to be in the 50s as far as the total point goes. He had a 29-yard catch last week, added a red zone target. To me, we're inching, inching closer, closer to a week where he's viable. Dale Scotter got off the schneid last week against the Vikings. If you're telling me Everett gets six day eight targets, I'm going to trust that process in a game that's going to be high scoring. Everett, I think, flirts with double-digit fantasy points, and that's enough at the tight end position.
2: Where's the evidence that Gerald Everett's gonna get six to eight targets? He saw three <laughs> targets in week one and week two. This is really just the fact that
0: Kyle Sapi is incredibly stubborn. Oh, like, that, yeah, you alluded to it going into the year. Like you said, I'm stubborn. No, you are. I, I very uh, much am. This is very I am, true. But
1: the, the volume's uh, gonna be there. They're gonna throw the ball. He's gonna work in. The, not, not. Uh, Derek, you're giving me that look. I'm saying the volume for the Chargers will be there. I'm trusting it to eventually spill over in Everett's direction. You can't, you're gonna have to double Keenan Allen at this rate. One guy can't guard Mike Williams, somebody has to be open. Austin Eckler isn't soaking up those short yardage touches. Give me five for 40 with a touchdown. How's that sound? It's not a crazy stat line. He could do it, he could do it. He's gonna do it. Put it on the board. Five for 40 against the Vikings and a score for Gerald Everett.
0: Uh, soppy Gerald Everett or Dalton Schultz? I you were about to ask three. Me
1: Travis Kelsey. Um, no, I'm going Gerald <laughs> Everett there. He's, again, I just think the volume is going to be... Oh, I did it the wrong way. Dang it. I did it the wrong
0: way. I thought we were in our sits. Okay, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So it would be Travis, Kelsey, or Gerald Everett. Dang it, I messed it up. Okay, Derek, let's go over to you. Tight end start of the week.
2: See, unlike Soppy, I've actually got a tight end who's seeing targets (laughs) as my start of the week. And for some reason, ECR's got this guy outside of the top 20. Again, who leads the league in targets at the tight end position? His name is Zach Ertz. 10 targets in week one, eight in week number two. I get that the efficiency and the scoring opportunities aren't super high, but Zach Ertz is seeing a lot of volume. And at the tight end position, that is key in PPR formats. And it pretty much manufactures a top 10 finish at the tight end position. I think he was tight end 12 in week one. And then he was like tight end seven in week two. So I'm failing to see why Zach Ertz is just being thrown, you know, completely out of the tight end picture on a weekly basis because the targets are there and I get the Arizona offense isn't as exciting as a lot of other teams in the league, but I thought they showed a lot more life than a lot of people expected at home against the New York Giants. I get it's a tougher matchup against the Dallas defense, but the volume is still going to be there because they're still going to throw the ball because they're still going to be behind against the Dallas Cowboys. So, give me Zach Ertz.
0: I did not have on my bingo card uh, a passionate speech from Derek Tate (laughs) about Zach Ertz in week three of the fantasy football season. I didn't have that on my bingo card, but here we are. Uh, I, yeah, yeah it makes sense but i can't do it i can't do it man i can't do it uh soppy your tight end sit of the week
1: yeah and spe- here we go again with uh hate on Kyle Soppy here i'm i'm going to be stubborn if nothing else i've proven consistent <laughs> in my stubbornness i'm not i'm not in on Hunter Henry yet he's my tight end 14 i get that he's been in a top 2 guy each of the first 2 weeks five catches and the touchdown every single week you're telling me he's going to go for 80 catches and 17 touchdowns. Then I will be wrong 17 times this year, and I'll take the L on that. Kyle Yates seems to think that that's going to be the case. I'll let him drive that bus. He's got an 85% catch rate, six and a half targets per game. That's amazing. I don't think it's sustainable. The Jets in a pace down situation. I, I just, I, I don't see it. I understand if you're starting them, you almost have to, if you've played them or you've added them now and you've missed the top two weeks but I think the bottom is falling out sooner than later. He's a good sell high candidate for me. If you want to say he's a top 10 tight end, I'll listen to you. He's 14 for me. So he's just outside of that. No match for my guy, Gerald Everett, but um, yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried there. I, uh, I'm, as long as we're talking tight ends, I'm also worried that this could be a stupid taste in Hill. week and just blow
0: everything up. I am going to move Hunter Henry up to tight end three on the week, just to offset uh, Kyle Soppy being out inside of the top 12. Half. That'll balance it out to probably where he's going to finish
2: as a top seven option. Uh, Derek, your tight end sit of the week. I think that Soppy's just closing his eyes when looking at the data from the tight end position every week, because going with Gerald Everett and telling you, to, telling you to sit Hunter Henry, I just, whew, Woo! That's a hot take. Spicy. So, speaking of close your eyes, you really haven't missed much from Pat Fryermuth in the first two weeks of the NFL season. Deontay Johnson was unavailable in week number two. So, we all thought, okay, Pickens should probably see more work. And then, you know, who's the second option? I thought, we thought it was probably going to be Pat Fryermuth in the passing game, right? One target. One. So... I get it's a, against the Raiders who you should have a favorable matchup, but until we see, you know, more than one catch a game from Pat Friermuth, then what are we doing here? I, I think he's got to be someone that falls outside the top 12, and yet I still see him. ECR has him in the top 10. I just, it, it, I, I don't get the tight end position, you know, <laughs> when looking
0: at the ECR. No the one does. Team. No one does. No one gets the tight end position. That's the fun of it. Uh, you don't like two receptions for five yards on the season so far this, uh, this year, Derek? You don't
2: like that in your starting lineup? With a touchdown. And the touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sabi. With a touchdown. That, that's right, baby. Holding on to that tutty from three yards out in week one. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like it. I don't really like it at all.
0: All right, that'll do it here for Starts and Fades, Starts and Sits of the Week, gentlemen. This was a ton of fun. Make sure, guys, if you are listening, that you are going over to pfnfantasy.com. Content coming out every single day from these two gentlemen here, and of course, Jason Katz as well here on the team. Cranking out every single day. Make sure that you are going over to the Start Sit Optimizer, which you can find over at pfnfantasy.com. Absolutely free to use and get into the pfnfantasy discord. We look forward to interacting with you there. That'll do it. For Derek Tate and Kyle Soppy, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.